When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, thank you for visiting uh, us on this special episode of Talking Cars. And today we're talking Jeep. Uh, we're talking design with uh, Ralph Giels, who's the head of global design for SCA. Thank you, Ralph, for joining us. I'm really grateful. Pleasure, Roman. It's been a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the last time I ran into you was in Geneva. That was quite a well. That was quite a lifetime ago. Now that I think about it, <laughs> it feels like about two. Actually, it was two years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so thanks for taking the time. Um, you guys have just unveiled uh, the new Grand Wagoneer, uh, and um, as a designer, how challenging is it to take an iconic American vehicle and kind of reinvent it? Tell me the process that you went through. Well, first of all, it's a concept. That, that's the Grand Wagoneer concept. The, uh, we haven't unveiled the, the official one just yet. Um, yeah, you're rolling on 2024s, am I right? What size? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we have a little, you know, have a little fun with the concept. But the concept's meant to kind of get the juices flowing and get people to, to understand what's about to come. Everyone knows Wagoneer's coming, but we wanted to, uh, to basically forecast it a little bit. Sit back and relax or keep driving if you're driving. TFL Talking Cars is on the air, the world's most popular car podcast. Okay, maybe not yet, but we're working on it. So first of all, Icon. You know, the auto industry, a lot of designers talk about icons, and we hate to call ourselves an icon, so we, we want to make sure that that is the language that people use outside of ourselves. And we've been watching the aftermarket industry, I would say, fan the flames of the, the Wagoneer for a while. Ever since it went out of production in 1991, a lot of these uh, kind of restoration shops have sprouted up because the car really you know, was in production from 62, actually, as a 1963 model year until until 1991. So there's a lot of them out there. The car part is huge. Uh, there's a huge following. And it really didn't change much over time. So it's kind of a nice piece to, to, you know, you don't even know what year it is when you see when you just assume it's a Wagoneer. So the, I, I hats off to them, whoever's out there keeping these cars alive. And we're not going to compete with that. We're not trying to design a car that upstages our own history. It's more about uh, picking up where we left off. And where we left off was we invented the premium SUV. That's what Wagoneer was at the time. Um, it really uh, took what, no one really thought of a wagon as being something you go off road. Remember, most wagons were like the Buick, uh, you know, wagon master, whatever they used to call them. Um, so, try to preserve that. So, design wise, we kept it simple, and I believe in uh, a vehicle as a canvas. You know, every everyone can imagine themselves in a vehicle that's understated and regal. Um, so, you know, obviously, um, people have expectations, right, of what this looks like because it was, you know, around for such a long time, um, and does that make your job easier or harder when it comes to, you know, putting a <laughs> putting <laughs> pen to paper? Yeah. The hardest 
question to answer. Everyone has asked me, all my friends, every journalist I know, are you going to put wood on the side of this thing? (laughs) The Wagoneer was famous for having acres of wood on the doors and the the fenders all the way down the body side. And actually, we thought about it for about two seconds. (laughs) I did not to do that. Uh, But there's many other elements about the car. So if anyone's familiar or does a little homework on a Wagoneer, the details at the time were way ahead of its time. You know, the, the way the even the roof rack was this forged aluminum brackets. I mean, just all everywhere you touched on the car had some kind of luxury component to it. So we tried to rethink how we would use uh, the bright work on the vehicle. You know, really kind of remind the customer at every visual point, every whether it's the mirror, the door handles, the, the roof rack, every little point, even the window surrounds. We sweat that stuff. We really thought that would be cool. And I think I think back to a word uh, that came up during development called artisanal, right? We wanted things to feel handmade, uh, not just handmade, but someone loved them along and really toiled on them and really, you know, like what do you call it, tilled away on this thing and, and made it beautiful. You can tell when somebody you know, yeah. gave a you-know-what about creating yeah, yeah. something. <laughs> so that's what we're looking for. Yeah, and you can you can certainly see that, uh, especially on the inside, right? Because uh, there's just a lot of um, details uh, the way that the materials come together, the way that the shapes come together. Um, so how hard is it to kind of incorporate, I think, what, seven screens altogether when you count the ones that are in the back seat as well, into an artisanal, you know, handmade uh, concept? Because You're a two- bright man, Roman, because that's... <laughs> the two seem like this. That was the challenge, is the fusion of the future, kind of the tech, the, the, I would say tech fusion, right? Yeah. Fusion, the tech with this artisanal kind of um, almost nostalgic, you know, use of wood materials and chrome. Uh, and I think we I think we did a good job. We'll see what people say when they, they kind of behold it and take a good look at it. Um, but it turns out the mixture is kind of cool. You see it in architecture, you see it in home uh, furnishings. People are mixing a little bit of retro uh, natural uh, finishes with modern stuff all over the place. So we took our inspiration from that in the, from the home industry, from, from even um, modern day tech. And even uh, the record players make it a comeback, you know. So it's just kind of mixing these, <laughs> the classics, um, with with the new stuff. When you see the audio system with Macintosh, who's you know known for their UV needles, we had to actually simulate digitally the needles, you know, that you know, that go left and right when the music is playing. So that, that was kind of a fun way to, to combine the two worlds. What was uh, what was the hardest part? Was it the exterior or the interior? Oh man, it was like bringing bringing a dish to to my. I guess I was a sous chef and my CEO was the, was the master. And I kept bringing him these themes. He goes, no, next. <laughs> because we, uh, I guess we overstyled it in the beginning. We were trying too hard and it was getting a little too zoomy. He wanted something. And I agree with him now, looking back, something really, really straightforward, simple and confident. You know, the idea of the, of the Wagoneers to, is to look like it was always here. It's not, it's not beating its chest around and say, Hey, look at me. Because we think a customer who would buy something like this would, someone who's arrived already in life, right? So they're not trying to prove anything to anyone. They know exactly who they are, and the car has that confidence to it, the vehicle. Um, you can't miss it. It announces its presence, but not in a, a uh, shouty way, if I, if I should use that term. Yeah, you know, I've been doing a lot of thinking about, like, what does American luxury mean, right? And, uh, you know, for a long time, it seems like some of your competitor brands have been chasing German luxury, right? When you think about it, that, that's been their goal because the Germans kind of set the bar. Uh, but American luxury is very different. And I got to say, like, the, the, the current Navigator, I think, certainly kind of found its groove uh, by, by, by redefining or re-refining what American luxury means. So is that something you were thinking about when you designed this kind of, kind of you know, not chasing the Germans, but doing something that's very uh, North American? 
Exactly right. And I know Murray Callum over at Ford, and we talked about his Navigator. I actually love the front end of that thing, the way the chrome, the grill is done. It's really nice, very American, but but tasteful. Uh, and that's, you hit it nail on the head. We were trying to find that balance between being our own thing, you know, and there is some homage to the original Wagoneer in the grill. If you look at the front end, it's cantilevered, right? Mm-hmm. Very, no car does that but ours, um, where the front end is leaning into the wind a little bit. And you have the water falling uh, version of the Jeep grill, which was, was very, very much part of the Wagoneer story. But everywhere else, it's all about, you know, kind of working the finishes around. You know, we frick everything in a, in a brushed aluminum uh, type of finish on uh, everything is cared for. There's no parallel lines, though. Everything is tapered. Um, and that's part of the artisanal thing, right? It's easy to just make a break form piece, but to try to make it taper and, and change section all the time is not easy. So we had a lot of fun. Uh, drove ourselves crazy, to be honest, <laughs> uh, trying to find a way to, to do exactly what you're saying, you know, represent American premium versus now, um, I couldn't help but notice that there were no Jeep badges on it. I know it's um, a concept. Was that on purpose, or was that something that, that can change along the way? Uh, that was actually very much on purpose. There is some very subtle, like, almost Easter egg-level Jeep badging that you have to look for. Uh, but they're there if you, if you stumble on them. Uh, but we wanted this to be its own animal. Uh, the Wagoneer is uh, you know, we proudly emblazoned on the, on the hood yeah. and on the vehicle. Very fun, the uh, right-hand side of that instrument panel. So, yeah, we, we, we know the name is strong. We know it conjures up a lot of neat images in your mind, so we wanted to celebrate. And I think the other thing that jumps out at you is, you know, most vehicles, the B and C pillars are darkened, but here they're body-colored, and that's, you know, obviously something that, that is unusual. Um, what, what was the rationale for that? Why did you decide to go that route? It's funny. My, my CEO at the time, uh, Sergio, uh, fell in love with that detail. He, mm. he just thought it was so different, he, um, and it was. And, and we actually had it a little more exaggerated where it crawled onto the roof a little bit. We kind of since then backed it off, but um, I look at that as a what I, I call a close your eyes detail, right? It's something you you can walk away from the vehicle, shut your eyes, and imagine that detail, and always remember it. Versus everybody and, the, and their brother blacks out the pillars nowadays. But it's, it's something we wanted to be unique. It also, in a very subtle way, harkens back to the very vertical pillars of the original. The original had very straight BC and D pillars, right? So, which is something common um, to older cars. Uh, so, having a little fun with that. And the other thing I noticed was, uh, you know, the, the back part of the vehicle is, is very distinctive. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it seems like what's in vogue right now is putting, you know, a, a very strong vertical line across the back. And, and this vehicle has it. Why, why do you do that? What's the point of having that long kind of vertical line across the entire back of a, of a vehicle? Yeah, well, we wanted to, you know, accentuate the width. The car is quite wide and, yeah. and has a hell of a presence. I mean, when you, when you, when you drive behind this thing, it just commands an attention. Um, and so we kind of worked again the tech. We wanted to, to blend the tail lamps into the plate pocket. We have a very cool, um, um, uh, it's, all, it's actually a, a lens that goes over the entire plate pocket and the tail lamps together. So we kind of organized that area. It makes it beautiful. Usually plate pockets are just kind of bashed in there. We wanted to celebrate that. And, of course, uh, the Wagoneer badging, which is actually three-dimensional. It's ri- risen from the surface, and the concept car is actually lit. So it really makes quite a statement. You know, the other thing I've noticed recently uh, is it's becoming more and more prevalent where actually uh, concept vehicles are making it pretty much into production, right? You see that, I think Tesla has done that where, where you see the vehicle two years ahead of time and then the vehicle that you see is the vehicle that you get. So what are the chances of, of this thing actually making it into production the way it is? You know, how, how much... You know, how much will the, the, the bean counters get involved? I think designers are kind of lazy. You know, once you have the concept, it's like, hey, push a button. And, you know, you know. <laughs> um, 
let's just say that the technology finally is, is getting to the point where it does blur the lines. I mean, the, the, the amount of tools, the electronic tools we have available to us now allow us to, it's actually the inverse because normally you wouldn't invest quite as much into a concept car because it takes a lot of work. It's almost the same amount of work as a production car. But because the tools, the predictive tools are so e- they're not easy, but they're, they they speed up the process. We're able to to kind of do both at the same time. So in a way, uh, we fall in love with a concept car and say, why can't we do that for production? And we end up uh, beating the engineers' heads over and, and get what we want. So uh, the concept car is a very powerful tool, also to, to double check, you know, did we go the right way? And usually, it, it reaffirms what we believe. Yeah, the one that did that, or call was the Evoke. Remember that? That kind of, I think it kind of snuck through between when Ford sold the company to Tata, and, and there it was. You know, it was the one they yeah. showed, and that was the one that they actually ended up building. Um, so that's cool. So I, I guess I'm asking, you know, will this be the one that will end up being built? And I, it seems like you're saying maybe. Exactly. (laughs) All right. Hey, let's move on and talk about just design in general. I've been actually, you know, spending a lot of time looking at a lot of your work at the drag strip. I've been going to the drag strip every Wednesday. It's kind of the run run what you brung. Uh, And so I've been looking at, of course, you know, there's two vehicles that seem to dominate here in Colorado. That's the Corvette and, of course, uh, the Hellcats, right? So um, these are vehicles that Charger and Challenger, both of them are on there. And, And I was thinking, I wanted to actually ask you this. You know, I was thinking about the fact that, um, nowadays, like a Tesla shows up, right? And it's if it's a Model S and it's a performance, it's going to run 10.4 every time here, at, especially here at here at uh, you know a mile above uh, sea level. And, and I remember I was talking to Franz uh, when the Cybertruck was unveiled, um, and that was actually an interesting story too. But we'll leave that for another time. Uh, but but it seems like you know in the 60s, and you you did a really good job in recapturing that. Uh, you know, there were a lot of family cars that were turned into dragsters, right? And then there was this language of speed that developed in design language uh, that, 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 that spoke to the fact that there was a big-ass V8 under the hood, right? So you take a Nova, and then you put big tires on it. Maybe you put a big hood scoop on it. Maybe you would put side pipes on it, right? Maybe you would stance it like this, right? And that, that all said, and, and I don't think anybody's done that yet with electric cars. So, so what, what is the language of speed for electric cars as a designer? Well, you know, you've got a clean slate. How do you, how do you express that in design? Um, that's a very, very good question. We're actually working on that very, very thing right now as we look to electrify all coasts of, of our brands um, and not lose that character. So you nailed it again. Um, that's a, that's the balance. But the problem is some of the things that make the car look aggressive also compromise the aerodynamics, right? So that's the thing about the Teslas and any electric car, uh, every ounce of aero equals range. It's very sensitive to aerodynamics. Um, so that's something we have to, to rethink how to state performance and aero at the same time. Um, and we're, you know, I can't spill the beans right now, but I'll just say that your your wavelength is pretty much where my wavelength is at. How do I, I keep that character of, let's say, a Dodge of the future, but but uh, take care of the, the you know, let, I'll put it this way. If Dodge is going to do it, you're going to do Dodge did it, right? <laughs> so yeah. we're not going to do clones of the, what you see out there today. We're going to go our own way as, as we usually do. Uh, so stay tuned on that. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Fair enough. You know, uh, I think it's an exciting. Must be an exciting time. The problem is, and you know, Geneva, you can get, tell your audience what you, usually happens. Geneva, you get me a gin and tonic or a bourbon or something, and I'm spilling the beans. But <laughs> right now, I'm dry, so there's nothing coming out of me right now. No, that's that that, that that's fine. I'm, I'm just thinking it'd be an exciting time to you know. I mean, I remember when like we weren't around when when we went from horses to cars, right? But we're around when we're going from. Uh, in, internal combustion to electric, and that's a cool time, right? Whenever there's change, there's opportunity. And so, as a designer, it must be cool to to, to have that opportunity to put your stamp on a whole new 
uh, way of you know transportation. Um, uh, and 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 I guess you know like one of the other cars that that, that was just recently unveiled was the um, Jeep Four Body, and that's one of the reasons we're talking about it. Uh, and right now the Wrangler, except for a badge and you know and a, and a plug, looks the same. Uh, but but do you see a time when when the electric off-roaders will differentiate themselves from the internal combustion off-roaders in terms of design? Absolutely. Uh, I think it's a matter of time. Right now, you're kind of sensing an overlap of existing platforms and new new powertrains. But eventually, you're going to have uh, new platforms with brand new powertrains, which means new proportions, new new opportunities to restrike the the stance of the car. Because most of the cars on the road today are built around the engine box, right? And once that, you know, as you know, an electric car has a very low profile engine box, if any at all, uh, which allows us to really start to push and pull uh, where the cabin sits between the wheels and all that stuff. Uh, so we're looking at that. And you may see some concepts from us in the next couple of years uh, forecasting uh, another concept car that might, who knows, be a real car. <laughs> so, so we're having a lot of fun. I, I've never seen a, or felt a more exciting period. You know, everyone's was kind of was warning for a while oh no what's what's this new electric thing gonna bring i think nothing but cool stuff so i'm excited yeah I, i'm with you dude because um you know uh, it seems like uh you know for some reason everybody decided the electric car had to be first and foremost about efficiency which you know to my mind is boring right uh but now we're finally starting to see like uh some excitement in in the, in the field and, and actually design that represents that excitement uh you know w why would you take like an economy car make it electric and make it look like an economy car it, it just it baffles it baffles me um so um in terms of um, in terms of Jeep, so where where do you take Jeep? I mean, that's you know, you guys Jeep for a long time was its own thing, and I'm, maybe I should be asking Mark about this, uh, you know, more than than. But but you're kind of the head of of design. So where does Jeep go from here? Now the Broncos out. Does that change the way that you design when I when you look at what? <laughs> Let's go like a thousand feet above, right? So you're not in the details. But when you look at Bronco. Right, and you see Bronco. Does that change as a designer the language that you're using for Jeep? No, because Bronco did their own thing, and they, yeah. they clearly had our Jeep in their in their oh, labs. Oh, for sure. They yeah. tore our Jeep apart a million different ways. To, and they, to get they benchmarked it. Yeah, but they benchmarked something we we did almost eighty years ago, literally. <laughs> so, so I don't think they broke new ground in a way. They did some cool things with with the the roof workout and, and some of the options and things like that. But it's really an evolution of of, our, of an idea we have and their version of it, basically. So, where Jeep goes from here is to me a very very exciting uh, discussion. Um, I think there's it's time for Jeep to to maybe do some more invention. And I, I wish I could talk to you more about this. Right, I'm sure there's a lot happening behind the scenes. That, cannot, yeah, yeah. No, because because Ford's listening to this potentially. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, the story of Jeep is still being written. I mean, the good news about Jeep is we have a very, very strong, uh, loyal base of owners that love our brand and, and love the idea of the brand and, and understand what it's capable of. And we respect that. So we have to be careful as an industry not to be beholden to our own selves. You know, we have to disrupt ourselves, basically, and, and allow Jeep to, to not – and the last thing we want to do is become a commodity brand and just make a – the day Jeep makes a, a passenger sedan, just forget it. You know, like, <laughs> So it has to be something – Yet more capable, yet more more exciting, um, and also electric, or also you know you know play play both of those things, but with capability in mind, number one. Right? 
So, you know, every time I saw you, we would be at like Geneva Auto Show or SEMA or someplace like that. Now, with all that stuff not happening, where do you go for inspiration now? I mean, you know, I think your job is, you know, you know, like it's like my job, right? My job, look at my job is to keep TFL relevant, right? Your job is to keep the design language relevant. So where do you figure, where do you go for that? Well, I spent a lot more time, uh, I've always been an internet browser anyway, so there's a lot of great content still on the net, of course. Um, uh, and there's actually an interesting rebirth of, of activity. I've never seen more cars and coffees in my life. You know? <laughs> the, uh, so I'm actually doing, hitting a lot of those. Um, they're you know, pretty responsible to be done. They're being done responsibly, the ones I've been through. And, and seeing what people are crafting in their drive. You know, people have a lot of time at home, and I've seen a lot of these creations coming out now you know, at the end of summer as people have been tinkering. And that's always been a source of inspiration because people tend to find a late need and try to answer the, the, the question themselves. So I'm very interested in that. And because of Instagram, people are posting cars and coffee from all over the world. So I consume a lot of that stuff. And thanks to people like yourself who help us cover the industry. I think a lot of OEMs are, are launching virtually now, but they're still going to be ride and drive experiences. So I pay a lot of attention to shows like yourselves. And um, if anything, all these digital reveals have made it easy for me to garner information about my competition. You know? So like in the old days, we'd go to the auto show and, and literally go stage to stage and, and try to gather it all. Now I just sit back and tune into the Bronco reveal and the, you know, whatever it may be. So there's, you know, just consuming as much information as possible. Um, but the inspiration piece is tough. I, I do miss um, just the casual conversations with, with people because, you know, you, I have friends at Ford and GM and, and they all kind of let their guard down and we share, we overshare probably. And that's uh, something that, you know, it's a professional courtesy to kind of overshare wink, wink, and you learn a lot from each other like that. So I do miss that. Yeah. Um, and you look at like, I know a lot of your guys specifically went over to Rivian, right? And then you see what they're doing. Uh, so do you, look, do you look at what those guys are doing too? Is that something that you keep your eye on? Of course, of course, absolutely. And I, you know, we have very good friends still with a lot of the guys that did go and, and, and a lot of them still come to the parties and the, the showers and all that stuff. So, so and the design community is tiny. I mean, it's a really close knit community. So we're we're very much aware of what each other are doing. Um, but I'm proud of them. I mean, those are. It almost feels like uh, at first I was a little upset with my team. Uh, literally, a good chunk of my design team going to Rivian. But on the other hand, that speaks volumes about the value of what we've created, right? So people yeah. see. So I, I'm really proud of what Jeff Amud is doing over there with his team. Yeah, you know, um, the electric truck, of course, is having a moment right now, you know, uh, uh, and I look at, I remember I was, I have a friend who uh, is a classic car mechanic and he worked at this uh, British classic car shop and at one point in time, I went to visit him and he's like, hey, let me show you something, he takes out this book, right, in like 1930s, after the Second World War, maybe 40s, uh, sorry, there were like literally a thousand different car companies building cars in the UK, these little cottage industries. And you're kind of, you're kind of starting to see that with electric cars, right? Because uh, in a lot of ways, electric cars are a lot simpler than internal combustion cars, right? You need a motor, you need a battery, and then, you know, the rest is not that difficult, um, at least for the most part. Uh, and, and so you're seeing kind of this explosion of design, and it's really cool to watch, you know. Uh, and it, it, there's this convergence that I'm also seeing with, like, lifestyle vehicles. I know that's a, that's a cliche, but people, people really seem at this moment to want a vehicle that expresses who they are, right? I remember when a couple of years ago the Wrangler sold, I want to say, like, 25,000 units in one month. That is crazy, dude. You know, I mean, that is a hard off-roader that, that is not being taken off-road by 25,000 people, you know, that, that are buying it. Uh, so, so where do you see the industry going? I mean, are cars going to be more of an expression of, of people's desire of who they are? Or are they going to remain a status symbol? Or are they going to become transportation? You know, what, what part of that is going to become dominant? 
I'll tell you what. You know, I've been watching you know what's happening in the last five six months very closely, and cars have made a, actually a big comeback. Because we were worried about Uber taking us, yeah. uh, making us obsolete. And actually, the reverse is happening. People are actually wanting their own car again because they don't want to be in an Uber or, or be in mass transportation transit if they can avoid it. Um, the other thing we're finding is people are adventuring and rediscovering America and, and vacationing differently. So they're buying you know, more you know trucks than ever right now. We can't keep them in stock. Um, so the individualistic thing is never going to go away. And what I find, what I'm finding is that there's a whole generation of younger enthusiasts coming up. Uh, we always thought, you know, this generation won't care about cars. Millennials don't care about, and that's so far from the truth. If anything, they're more into cars than they, than I was, you know, because they know more about it. They have, they have access to more information. Um, and the fusion again of the old and new is very attractive to them. Uh, when I go to California, my friend BC Moto is, is putting electric motors in old 911s, you know, and uh, a lot of companies are doing that. And, and I myself are restoring older cars and trying to make them modern underneath, um, but yet retro on the outside. So all that stuff plays into what's going on. You know, what is happening in, in this space? And and there's still a romance with the automobile at the end of the day. You know, this personal expression, as you say, something you're wearing as you're driving, not just driving it. And as long as we keep making the secret sauce yummy, you know, <laughs> making the cars desirable and cool and, and um, relevant, people are going to make car clubs. You know, my... my um, litmus test for a good designer, a good car is, is, is there a car club for it? Are people gathering around this car and creating communities? And we have that with most of our Jeeps, our Challengers, our Chargers. There's entire, almost like posses of people that hang out just because of the car. And that's huge. You know, so we can't ignore that. We have to find those planes gently, but also create new movements like that. I I love that, Ralph, but you know, the worst car I've drove in my life is a Trabant and I'm betting that there's a Trabant club. (laughs) (laughs) so what car are you retro modding what are you doing what, what are you working on oh I, I, i'm doing a 68 um charger right now oh so nice I'm a lot of fun with that are you what are you, yeah, are you i did an alfa romeo a couple years ago and are you keeping it original underneath or are you are you electrifying it no, it's going to be, well, it's modern-day powertrain. Let's okay. It's a hell of an engine. It's, it's going to have a lot of cool modern-day tech. It's actually going to be an automatic. I went back and forth, but I've had plenty of manuals in my life, so I wanted to do an eight-speed. It's going to be cool. It's going to drive like a Challenger in a way, but look like a 68 and have all kinds of cool tech. So. Yeah, I figured you wouldn't LS swap it. It didn't seem like your style. <laughs> Over my dead body. <laughs> Every time you get an LS in a Wrangler, I just I vibrate so much. You, you know, uh, it's cool that you guys are putting the Hemi into the Wrangler. I, a couple of years ago, we did a story. There was a local dealership here that was actually putting the SRT engine into into the uh, Wrangler. And I asked them, I said, so how'd you upgrade the brakes? And they looked at me like I was crazy. And I'm like, I'm like, really? You, you put an SRT power plant and you didn't touch the brakes? Uh, so it's great to see, like, you know, the manufacturer actually doing it, you know, a, a safe and cool way. Um uh, so, so what, what, uh, before we wrap this up, what are you looking forward to most in the next 10 years? You look, you look down the road, what, what, what's your kind of, you know, what's the part that makes you excited? Cause I've kind of written 2020 off. So let's just forget about this year. <laughs> I know everybody, but actually a lot of good things have come out of yeah. 2020 for me in terms of we've been a new way to work. Um, you're home, home, I take it. Yes, I am home, yeah. but I, I go back to getting to work a couple days a week now. Okay. Um, and we're actually allowing that flexibility to our designers because a lot of them have kids, you know, home, yeah, yeah, sure. homeschooling and all that. But man, the efficiency. I'm seeing better work than I've ever seen because they're isolated in a way, in a good way. You know, they've got the headphones on, they're sketching, no one's bothering them. 
there's not too many, uh, let's say, coffee runs like we normally have at work. Yeah, I think um, I think we like progressed like ten years in one year in, in terms of like working exactly. remotely. Yeah, our dealers are learning how to sell cars virtually. We're learning how to have meetings. I used to be on a plane literally every other weekend, which yeah, is a big much. waste, of time, right? Yeah. So. A lot of time wasted. So I've been in balancing that. My marriage is doing better than ever. So it's all, it's all good. Yeah, and you're working on it. Yeah, next ten years, I think uh, hopefully there's going to be better health to the to people in the industry. Better, you know, better quality of life, which will create better ideas. You'll be you know more free thinking. Uh, I think I'm excited about Stellantis. I know um, people, what's this Stellantis thing all about? But it's a really cool opportunity. You know, what Mr. Traverse has done with Peugeot Citroen, very enthusiastic company. You know, if you really look into their history, they got an amazing uh, rally history. They got great, um, very iconic cars of their own. You know, the 205 guy is still one of my favorites. You know? Yeah, what, my 404, you know, like ruled yeah. Africa, dude. He's still, they're still running around in Africa. It's, they're crazy. There's some gorgeous new Peugeots uh, yeah. they've been showing in its concepts the last couple of years, a couple of Genevas ago. Uh, that took my breath away. So I'm excited about that opportunity. And we have some great brands, you know, so cultivating those brands, letting them grow. And we're watching our brand right now, our Jeep brand in South America, taking names. It is doing super well in South America. Uh, people want a Ram brand down there as well. So we're starting to get some opportunity there. So just a lot more globalization for us. Um, that It's starting to feel like, you know, an international company, which is nothing but opportunity. And the world is becoming more alike in some ways. You know, in some ways uh, we're finding... You know, the Europeans want what the Americans have and the Asians want what the Americans have. And we want what the, you know, it's, it's like everybody's kind of starting to homogenize into the technology and the car base. Yeah, when, when my, you know, I was born in Prague in the Czech Republic. And when my parents came here, what drove them crazy was that the only coffee they could get was like decaf or black, right? And the on, <laughs> only bread they could get was like white or rye. That were two choices. And, and, you know, now we've got Starbucks. And, of course, we've got, you know, Whole Foods doing all these uh, artisanal breads, right? Uh, and then the Europeans always look down at us because oh, you're driving these you know horrible big trucks. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't know, man. One day you'll want to be driving these horrible big trucks because they're pretty darn cool. Uh, and so, 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 do you see like uh, you know, uh, do you see more of an influence of Europe on America or America on Europe, or how, how will it evolve? You know, well, it's already happened. I mean, if you look at the interiors of our vehicles, Europeans long for a long time had beautiful interiors. You know, yeah. and you're seeing now. The American interiors are, are as nice, if not better. In some cases, especially parts your, of our especially your interiors. Thank you, you very much. You guys are leading the way for sure. Yeah. When you see our new stuff, it even takes it to a different level. Where that, I'll be very honest with you, we didn't benchmark uh, GM and Ford when we were looking at the Ram. We benchmarked Audi, mm. right? So we looked at, at German luxury cars when we benchmarked our, our uh, production stuff. So that's a mindset now. Uh, we look laterally up and down. We don't. We don't really. I'm not too worried about my direct competitors. I am working against inspiration in general from the whole industry, the global industry. Yeah. A lot of people don't know about China, but China is one of the most advanced uh, cockpits they have because they have 5G, they got cloud-based. So most of the cars are, are very advanced interior-wise in China. So that's a source of So that's one thing that I think Americans would love as well as 5G becomes more common in the U.S. Yeah, the other thing I think that's also happened from Europe, which wasn't here, you know, here in America, luxury always meant big, right? And then uh, I think this idea that something small can also be precious and luxurious, right, has, has started to slowly infiltrate in our car business, right? So, you know, an A-class can be just as luxurious as an S-class. And for the long time in America, you know, luxury meant big, right? You, you want to get that Electra. <laughs> All right, that was, that was a big old car that you wanted. 
Yeah, or a New Yorker if we're you know if we're if we're staying within brand, right? Um, and so so yeah, it is cool. Uh, and and I'm I'm happy to hear that you're not traveling a lot because I, I remember uh, talking with some of the other executives, you know, uh, Manly and dude, that's a horrible life you guys had. I, I always felt for you, right? You, you know, one day you're in China, one day you're in Italy, one day you're in Detroit. That that can't be good for you. I don't even know how I'd do it again if I had to. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully next time we do this, we can do it over, you know, a drink and uh, iced tea. Uh, <laughs> uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. Uh, congratulations uh, on the new uh, concept Wagoneer. Uh, I hope that it actually makes it into production. Uh, and uh, I, I assume it will because it really looks production ready. Hey, by the way, on, on, on the on the Wagoneer, you did that kind of like uh, cascading light effect on the front. Where did that come from? That's really cool. I mean, you took it to the next level, right? Like Mercedes has been backlighting their badge, and Chevy's been doing it. Now you took it kind of to the next next level. It's yeah, well, really neat. We're inspired by nature. Yeah. We're supposed to. We call it the waterfall. Right? Yeah, it's so, cool. It's like a natural occurrence. So yeah, that's what it does. Yeah, yeah. I think people want to show off what they have. You know, they've earned it. They want to show it off, and that allows them to do it. So yeah. Well, well, Ralph, thank you very much. I promised a half hour. We went a little bit longer, so thank you very much. And uh, yeah, stay home and uh, stay healthy. You got it, you too. Take care. Take care. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.